Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Solitaire Board Games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 169. Come along to a place, a faraway place, where the sands and the camels roam. It's those Nubian nights. Julius, you're in denial. Yeah, maybe. Welcome back, Julius. I appreciate that, Albert. Always happy to come in for a little nap with you. I mean, podcast recording <laughs> session. Oh, you love war games, don't you? I I absolutely <laughs> do love war games, Albert. Well, you are in luck because we were talking about one today. It's called Nubia, Egypt's Black Airs. <laughs> Aren't you glad we're just doing half-hour shows now? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Albert, why don't you tell me more about this Nubia? Okay, let me let me do that. So, so let's just jump into the game. Um, I'll start talking about it. So, this game is a war game. It's you're basically playing through the downfall of the the Christian Kingdom of Nubia from the periods of 1172 to 1504. So it's about a 300, 320 year period of time where the Nubian Empire was falling. Nubia, for those that don't know, which included me, is a um, an empire south of Egypt. I believe it was part of Egypt for a while, and they fought with the Egyptians back and forth here and there during Egypt's big heyday and all that. Um, and my understanding, they're, they're actually pretty powerful in their own right for a while, eventually became part of Egypt, whatnot. You know, eventually Egypt went and fell, and Nubia became a Christian kingdom. And I think this is from around early Christianity. I'm talking like the two, three hundreds maybe or less. I'm not sure. I, can, I didn't quite figure that out. And this was your history but, um, lesson with Albert Hernandez. And that was the history lesson. So this is a game about the downfall of that Christian kingdom. And this is a solo-only war game, correct? It is a solo-only war game. I didn't know this when I got it, but it's actually basically a States of Siege game. You remember the States of Siege games from uh, Victory Point Games? Sure, I do. They're pretty well designed. They look very mm-hmm. nice. The only reason <laughs> the only reason it's not a States of Siege game is because it was not published by Victory Point Games. But it, it it's a States of Siege game, mechanically. And I'm just going to call it a States of Siege game from here on out because that's what it is. Um, so that, that's the game. That's what it's about. It's based on another game by the same design, which I didn't mention his name. It's R. Ben Madison. Um, and he published Power Ben Madison. R, sorry. R like in Robert or Ricky or something. Yeah, I got you. That was, that was a uh, pun. It was a pun. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. He also designed a game called Gorbachev, The Fall of Communism. Same publisher, same designer. Um, this game, according to the designer notes, is, is lightly adapted from Gorbachev. So it's a very similar State of Siege style game. So if you find the mechanics interesting, but not the theme, you could try that one out. Um, he's designed a few other games. Actually, let me look that up real quick because I think it's worth mentioning it. His name is not unfamiliar. He's done a few White Dog games. Don't Tread on Me, The American Revolution, The White Tribe, and Miss Thatcher's War. All three are solitaire games. Um... He's been designing for a while. He did uh, Byzantium Reborn, CSA, Liberia Descendant to Hell. These are all old Fury Dragon games. Yeah, the the Fury Dragon games, they used to come in these really cool small tins. Um, that's why I wanted to mention them. He did Swing to State 2012, which is a, I think it was a solo game from Victory Points. Mound Builders, another solo game. So he, he's been doing stuff for a while. A lot of solo games, actually. I don't think exclusively solo, but but definitely includes solo so, so yeah, that, that's basically the summary of the game. So, so let me talk about the rules next. The, I already said mechanically, this game is a States of Siege game. Even if you can't really call that legally, that, that's what it is. 
Um, so the rules layout is a lot like the Victory Point Games rule. If you're familiar with a States of Siege rulebook, you know, you're very familiar territory. It's just like that. Um, it's an outline format where the sections are, are numbered and then there's subsections and subsections within that. I find that I find it personally very easy to follow those kinds of rules and to reference them later because, for example, the Connor might say there's a reference sheet that comes with the game and it says, oh, this part check rules 10.7. And so I can very quickly jump to the rulebook and find that part. Um, so I like the layout of it. Um, there is one error in the rulebook, which is kind of annoying. Um, it was annoying because when I found about it, the game became easier. And it's not a big error. <laughs> it became annoying because the game got easier or it became annoying because you've been playing it on hard mode. It's annoying because I've been playing on hard mode all this time. And now that it got easier, I haven't won again. <laughs> I'd won a couple times before that, but since then nothing. Did you have to print the rules <laughs> yourself or is this an actual rule book that you had? It's in the actual rule book. Um, and what happened is it looks to me like the designer had written the rules a certain way and at some point changed the mechanics of the rule and forgot to update the counter. So I think the original rule says you have to roll higher than the number on the counter. And in the rule book, and that I think that's originally what it had because the counters have low numbers in the, in the picture of the rule book. And then he changed it and said it has to be less than or equal to. So he changed the direction and, and the exact match sort of thing. And mechanically, it works out the same because of the numbers on the counters, what they used to be and what they are now. But um, and I think the change was just to make it consistent with all the other rolls. Yeah, in that roll, you used to have to get lower. Every single other time you roll a die, you need to get something higher. And so I think that made it a little confusing. But, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. If you look on BGG... You'll, you'll find the reference to it, and that's where I found it, and, you know, explains how to, he tells you what to do to fix it. So, easy enough. I mean, when you say what to do to fix it, do you mean print a new version of the rulebook? Oh, I just wrote it in pen in the rulebook to remember. Either either write in the rulebook to change the, the rule, to negate it, basically, or write on the counter and put a different number. Either one would work. That's, that's what I did. Easy enough. So, um. So, no no distribution solutions no and honestly this is kind of strange because this is a print-on-demand sort of game it's similar to the victory point victory point games old style where they printed it when you ordered it i'm not sure why if they have found the error they don't just update it immediately that's kind of what i was asking Mm-hmm. it's strange it should be and you know so it may be fixed by the time you you see this i have no idea but it should in theory be really easy to fix unless the publisher prints a few in batch or something i guess i i, I don't know um, I the one thing that is missing in the rules, I wish I had a reference for a couple of little things. One, the setup of the game, and two, the events that happened during the game. Because that's the only thing I've learned the game. That's the only thing I ever have to really refer to the book to. Upsetting when I occasionally get some little confusion or something. Uh, if those two were not in the book, that'd be great. Um, you know, not a big deal, though. I think that's it about the rules. Theme. The theme is interesting. I didn't really know much about Nubia before. Admittedly, I still don't know much, but I've learned a little bit here. But I didn't really realize it was a, a Catholic or Christian. I think it was not Catholic. I think it was Christian. Coptic. I'm not sure. Coptic Christianity. I'm not sure what it's called. But they were, you know, I didn't know that it was like that. I did know it was south of Egypt and that it had been a, an empire at one time and whatnot and warriors and wealthy. And I kind of knew this stuff in passing. So learning a little more about this was neat. 
Um, you know, it's a states of siege game, so a lot of the flavor text is on the cards and all that. I did find that that didn't carry through so well for me. I don't know why the I, reading the flavor text didn't mean a lot. And I, I guess it's because it's three hundred years of time in the game and condensed into forty cards. So it's really just the highlights of the history. And so I, I think because of that, I found it hard to, I guess, to get a larger narrative of, of what's going on. It just didn't, made it made it hard to get into into the uh, flavor text. But otherwise, I mean, it's a it's a war game about a collapsing empire. I do think that that shines through, and you get that sense when you play. Um, and I'll mention a little more of that later on. The components. Um, it's published by White Dog Games. They do print-on-demand sort of stuff, very similar to the old Victory Point Games uh, production model. So the the counters are all printed on some something solid. It's not cardboard. Maybe it's particle board. Maybe it's wood. I don't know. But it's what printed on that and then laser cut. You, you said this is print-on-demand. Do you know what printing service they're using? Is it like laser printing? Yes. They are using... Um, is it Blue Panther, I think, is the name? It's the mm. same publisher that makes um, Holland Spiel games, which also makes war games. And we've talked one or two of their war games before. And they also make their own components. Like they make piece pack pieces and stuff. Okay. And it's all laser cut wood stuff. They, they've been around for years, years and years. Um, so, so I assume they're all the same sort of stuff that they're either wood or particle board. My experience with the, the Blue Panther stuff I have, which is piece pack, that's actual wood. Um, anyway, so, so those counters, are, they're pretty thick. They're pretty solid. They're really satisfying to use. Um, really, the nicest counters other than large, chunky Euro counters. You know, for, for little tiny war game size. You had to clean the laser dust off them, I assume. No, in this case, I did not. Oh. <laughs> and they didn't include a napkin for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I should. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even check. I, I never do clean the the victory point game counters. Just leave them the way they are. Oh, I always have to. Yeah, it's never bothered me at all. And it does not have the same smell that a victory point game has. When you open that box, it had that sort of burnt wood laser smell to it. This game, I open the box and it's a very strong smell of ink. Hmm. And I actually I don't like the smell too much in this one. I open it up and every time it's a little bit overwhelming. Um, you know, just play outside and you're fine. <laughs> the The other interesting thing about this is that there's no dice included. Um, and apparently, White Dog Games does not include dice anymore. Something about shipping regulations. I'm not sure why. That was fine. It was just a little bit of a surprise. But I've got enough dice at home that I didn't need another die. I just picked one I liked and threw it in the box. And now it's my Nubia die. Um. So yep the the map is a paper map. Um, maybe cardstock thickness, so it's not very thick. It's printed in color, and it works just fine. You know, I have no problem with it. Um, mounted map would be nice, but not a big deal. The there's a reference sheet and a setup sheet. It's kind of weird. It's it's got a bunch of boxes on the top, so you could organize your counters on there before you play and put half of them on the board. Um, and then the bottom half is a reference sheet about the turn order and things like that. Honestly, I've Barely ever looked at the reference sheet. Most of the time, I just uh, use it to set up the counters. And, and now that I've played more times, even then, I don't use it that much. It's just a place to keep the some of the counters until until I need them. 
And the game has about 40 cards. It's a stasis of siege game. So the cards, generally speaking, give you information about the uh, the event that's going on in real life at the time of this card came out or whatever. The um, move some of the armies and that sort of thing and kind of tells you how many action points you have to spend that round, sort of. In this game, it's a little bit different. In terms of the art, I don't like the art too much. Um, it's fine. It's solid. It, but it, it it's inconsistent. It, it lacks graphic design. You know, it does not look like they had a graphic designer. It come doesn't along. look like they had anything. <laughs> it, it was the art was designed by the game designer. I'm sorry. I'm going to be even more harsh than just Albert. The art is atrocious. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really bad it's it's text and it's also text from a bunch of different fonts and a bunch of different colors not easy to read and where they do have images the <laughs> images are 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 so clip-arty that they're not even good and also they're not even theme appropriate i'm looking at one set of tokens that are european castle type tokens and we're in yeah Libya. we're in <laughs> egypt it doesn't it uh it is weird. Oh, I, I admit it. At first, I was really confused and, and put off by the art. After a little while, I got used to it. It doesn't bother me. Um, getting, getting used to something is saying, like, I could get used to a hole in my wall. <laughs> yeah. God bless and it, eventually, you start, find, you start finding it's a useful hole eventually, and you start appreciating it for what it is. No, I'm repairing the hole in the wall. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, the art could definitely be better. I, I don't disagree with you. The the fonts are inconsistent. That is done deliberately in some cases. For example, the the cards will have four or five different things that could happen on the card, and it the there's something called the Uru, which is I guess Nubian for keen, and that's always in the specific font. Um, Coptic Pope, when that shows up, that's always in its own specific font, and it really is a different font style and a different color, not just like from bold to italic. It's a totally different font family. Um, which again, yeah, is a little bit weird. After a while, you kind of get used to it and you realize that, yeah, it makes it easier to spot what, where the stuff is. Um, yeah, it's a low production quality game. Don't expect too much from it other than the really awesome counters. That, I really that, awesome. That just... <laughs> I mean, they're still, they're all square. They're a bunch of square counters even. They're not like... On wood. They're, you know, they're honestly, playing wood. a war game, playing a game with these is more satisfying than playing... Um, with like I mean, a GMT just, type you're saying that they're like awesome type counters. Like there, there are no distinct designs to the counters. Mm, that's no the material shapes. They're slightly thicker material because for some reason, that's what the print on demand people are offering. Like that's what they cut it on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, it really is not just cardboard. It's definitely something else. They're, they're heavier, everything about them. I, I don't know what it is. I tried finding information. I heard another podcast the other day. Was it Solosaurus? They were talking about a different game from the same printer. Um, I think the game was Charlemagne. And he he said they're wood counters. I don't know if he had any more knowledge than I do. But they're just they're not just cardboard. But even still, so there's there's still <laughs> what are they printed on? They're stickers on wood? I think it's printed straight onto it. I don't think it's a sticker. So it's like There's no peeling or anything at the edges. Mm -hmm. I think it's just printed on. Mm. Um, so so let's move on about the questionable art, the the <laughs> the gameplay. So it's a state of siege game, right? Um, every turn you're gonna draw a card that's gonna tell you any special events that happen. It's gonna tell you which enemies move forward on their track to to besiege your city or 
yeah, besiege your city, I think. And sort of kind of tells you how many actions you get each turn. That's pretty typical in a typical states of siege. This one does a little bit differently, which is really neat, actually. Every turn, it's going to tell you draw a new Uru, Keen. And so you're going to take your Keen counter and put him back in the cup with the other Keens and draw a new one. And that has a number on it telling you how many actions you get from the Keen each turn. Um, and it represents, you know, the fact that they just went through a lot of Keens over the years. The Some turns, I, probably about a third of them, yeah, I'd say about a third, you, draw, you also draw a new Coptic Pope. That also has a number on it. It's 0, 1, or 2. There's 0, a 1, a 1, or a 2. There's four different counters. Um, and that's going to also give you actions. So between the Coptic Pope and the Keen, you get your total number of actions for the turn. Um, and that's pretty neat, and that works pretty well. It's very frustrating when you draw the, the Pope that only gives you 0 actions each turn. And and then you're probably stuck with him for 3 or 4 turns until you get to roll again. Maybe more, you know, because it's totally random. The cards are all shuffled. The Keens give you between zero and five actions. So, so when you get a two and a five, that's great. You know, you're, you're doing really well. And and that's just a really interesting mechanic, really neat way to do it. I find it satisfying. The only real problem I had with that was that the the Coptic Pope, every time I have to draw a new one, I'm throwing the counter back in and drawing one out of four counters out of a cup, and that was a little bit tedious. So eventually I just started rolling a D6, and using that to pick one of the first four. You know, if it's a five or six, I'd re-roll until I got one through four. Um, that sped things up. Um, another thing that I really found interesting about this game, in terms of states of siege, is that in the typical states of siege, there's five enemies that are advancing upon you, each on their own track. This one has the same five enemies, but then it has three other tracks that represent your uh, royal assets, your nobility, your kingship, and your military strength. And these can move down from the cards just like the, the five tribes that are attacking you. but they And you raise them the same way by, by rolling against them. But they work a little bit different. And when you get these up maximized, they give you bonuses that help you defeat the other enemies, the, the enemy tracks. And, and so they're similar, but they're different enough that you kind of have to choose where to go each time. What do, you, what do you want to advance? And all eight of them, if any of them get down to the, to the city or down to zero you have a chance of losing. Um, and it's only just a chance. What you do then is you roll die, two dies, and you add it up, and you compare it to the number of kings that you have lost and sent to a mosque. And if the number is higher or lower than the number of kings in the, that you've sent to the mosque, you lose the game instantly. So as the game progresses and more kings are going to the mosque, your chances of losing are increasing and increasing. And there's ways to manage that. Like, you could choose to send a king and... There's things that you could do that help you, but also at the risk of losing a king. So so that is a, a lot of it's up to you, how much risk you want to put into it and all that. Um, all these things are pretty neat because altogether, the, you know, it's a lot of randomness and dice rolling in the game. But the, really what you're doing is learning how to master all that randomness and you know what things you could do to reduce the risk of any individual roll. Um, and, and it works pretty well. I really enjoyed that. Um, now, I've left out a lot of details about the game. I'm just trying to give you a quick overview here. There, There's things like um, arranged marriages. You could sell off a daughter to give you some extra actions if need be. You could sell land from Nubia, um, which also comes with no risk but gives you extra actions. 
and, and all these different things, you know, again, kind of give you extra chances, but all have their own risk one way or another. And so, so you end up having a lot of interesting choices. The, um, you know, it's a, it's a states of siege game, right? So the first round you go, all your enemies are really far away. Your assets are really high on the air track and everything feels really good. And then you start drawing your cards and rolling and maybe missing. And from then on, every turn, it feels like just a little bit of you is just getting chipped away and you're slowly losing. And it's a steady, steady decline. And the whole game is really just hoping you manage to survive until the end before you've completely collapsed. And and that feeling comes through really well in this game. It's it's both frustrating and satisfying. Um, so I so I like the game a lot. I find it very satisfying. Um, yeah. In fact, I think I've I found I felt that that decline more in this game than any of the other states of siege I've played. But maybe it's been a while since I've played another one. Um, but I did like it. Um. Yeah, in fact, I hadn't played one of these in a while. You know, um, I went to look for a war game. I was in the mood for a war game. I said, I'm going to go find a new war game, but I don't want anything that takes too long. I want something that's sort of short, because like recently I've tried to pull out games that I, have, that I haven't played in a while, and trying to figure out the rules and learn the game takes so much time again after a while. You know, war games tend to be a little more complex than other games often. So I'm just going to find something that's quick and that I could play like an... 45 minutes, half an hour, something like that. So I went to White Dog Games because I know they had a lot of solo games that were unique. And I was looking through that, and I pretty much just looked at the picture, read, looked at the title, and maybe the first sentence or two from the description and, and the duration of the game. And on that, I chose this game. Um, if I had known it was a States of Siege game, I don't think I would have bought it because I, I didn't want something like that. I wanted something that was a little bit different where you're managing where you're going on the map and that sort of thing. This game isn't anything like that, right? This game, you have absolutely, well, I would say no control on the map. You have a tiny bit of control, but you're not really going anywhere on it. You're just pushing the things back. <laughs> um, so it's not what I was looking for, but I'm glad I got the game. I really am. I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, I had, I'm surprised how much I've enjoyed it. The first time through, I was really lost and confused, but by the end of the second game, I, I had it down quite well. It's It's pretty solid design. So yeah, I think that's my overview of the whole game. You you, you sold, Julius? Absolutely not. I'm sorry. I, I can't even <laughs> get over the art style enough to appreciate it. I'm sorry, especially when you start saying that it's pretty typical for a war game and that it's it is your classic states of siege game. Like I have Nemo's War on my shelf, and I have one of the the zombie states of siege game which name is not going to mind which mm-hmm. you know i've Zed. enjoyed playing dawn of the zeds thank you which i've enjoyed playing a time or two but i can't see what about this one makes it at all unique to be worth getting through the just the general design on it and when when the game looks like it does that gives me such an idea that the design doesn't have that final touch and i think you even mentioned at the beginning that the game doesn't feel like it had a final design touch to it and this is this feels cursive this for this feels like a surface level evaluation of it but unfortunately i feel like the game invites that surface level evaluation it, it feels sort of mm-hmm. like a playtest copy of a game it doesn't feel like it's done and doing you know doing a fair amount of playtest 
I expect a certain something coming out of a play test game. I expect a certain amount of you know, holes and pitfalls and it not being done because it's not done. This doesn't look like a done game and it doesn't sound like you're describing a done game. Interesting. And yet it's being solid. In terms of the art, I agree with you. In terms of mechanics, it feels very, very done and very solid. Um, if I had seen the counters and the art, I probably would have skipped over it too for the same reason. I said, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it looks kind of cheesy. I'm not satisfied with it. I'm just not going to get it. Um, I happened not to have looked so closely at it and just tried it out. And like I said, I'm happy with it. If you don't like the art, though, maybe you might want to try Gorbachev. It's a same designer. I I don't know how that one looks. It might look better. Now I'm curious. Let's go to their website and look real quick. Hang on with us, people. Gorbachev, the fall of communism. See, I don't know if he did the art for this one or if somebody else did it. Um... Yeah, no, uh, it looks a lot the same, I guess. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win me over with the art for this one. Uh, I'm not. Th- I'm looking at the counters of Gorbachev, and the 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 Gorbachev counter looks a lot like the King counters uh-huh. in uh, in Nubia. Same exact design, the picture of the guy. I would say that possibly this one's inside. even worse because with this one, like with Nubia, except for maybe just like a complete oversight with European castles it's kind of closer to the same sort of font styles. They're not even trying with this one because they have all sorts of different countries for this one. So apparently they decided that since they have a bunch of different countries, we can use all sorts of different font styles, font sizes, (laughs) um, colors, multiple colors and sizes on a single token. These are not exactly big tokens either, but for some reason I'm going to put massacre Sungate down caucus all on different font sizes styles and colors on (laughs) one tile (sighs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, you have to be a bit forgiving for for the art in these games to get through them i'm not fair enough (laughs) (laughs) and especially like how much did this cost albert i mean look so it's uh, 40 the gorbachev game is 50 it's $44, and the only place to order it, I believe, that you can get it from, is $44. If you want the print-and-play, you can get it for $30. But getting a mm-hmm. boxed version here in the U.S., it's $44. For $44, like that's a fair amount of money that you're putting down for a game that just doesn't look that great. I mean, $44, that's nearly the, the cost for lockup for example, just picking a random one from my shelf. That's nearly the cost for lockup. I think that's even the retail price for lockup and lockup has gorgeous art, gorgeous cards, the tokens. It has those little, the, the plastic player boards that, that, or rather plastic places to put the player tokens that you can see them and hide them for the other players. In addition to the big colorful board and excellent art and granted the art and lockup, they've saved money on it by reusing some art. I hear you, but still it's a well-designed game, a well-prepared and published game. And it's the sort of game that invites people to come sit down and play. And like, I understand it's, it's a solo game. You don't need to invite anybody to sit down and play. I'm going to have to, you have to invite me to sit down and play. I have to be excited to play my own game. (laughs) And I think if this were on my shelf, it wouldn't stay for very long. Yeah. You know, that's a thing with war games. A lot of people just have no interest in them in the first place. And so they don't, they're harder to get published. 
It's not bad that I don't have any interest in them. I mean, I mentioned there are certain war games that I've <laughs> played and I've enjoyed. I think Nemo's War is not like a classic. It's not. It's it's kind. I mean, it's got war in it. <laughs> I'm 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 pretty liberal when it comes to calling the game a war game, but that's not a war game. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the closest I can yeah. get off. But <laughs> see and see that's the thing. A, a lot of a lot of people just don't aren't into war games. And you know that's fair enough. There's there's nothing wrong with being into them or not. But because it's hard to find people to get into them, it's harder to get a bigger publisher to carry them. So you got to go to a small independent publisher that just doesn't have the resources to. I understand that you have to go to small independent to publishers, yeah. but like if you if you can't do it nice, don't do it at all. Potentially. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm glad this game exists. I'm I'm glad I got to play it. I I will disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> I, will, I will agree with you in the art. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's a, again, it's a print and play game that they haven't. Assuming it is a print and play game, as we mentioned, it's a print and play game that they haven't even updated the mistake in the rules. Yeah, I I, I mean, don't know just, if they have or just, haven't. The rules here, just all that nope. together, just doesn't suggest to me that it's a game that they care that much about, and if they don't care about <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Well, I think I've said my piece. Yep, fair enough. And I've said mine. One thumbs up, one thumbs down for this game. Two thumbs down. Two th- You're giving two thumbs down. Well, then I'm giving three thumbs up. And it's all. You can't do that. <laughs> I'll tell the teacher on you. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Good night, all. Thank you for joining us. We hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.